You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Friday, the 30th of September. You find me as dawn breaks. Uh, over Aqueduct Racecourse, the Big A in New York, about a mile and a half off the end of the runway. I'm breathing in a heady concoction of kerosene and horse sweat this morning. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to all that Aqueduct has to offer over the next couple of days. It'll be a rather different scene, I suspect, in the Bois de Boulogne in Paris, where I find the Racing Post senior writer Lee Mottishead as he revs himself up for his favourite day of the year, the Qatar Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. And that, Lee, is where we must start. How's things in France? Things in France, or things in Paris, Nick, certainly, are absolutely glorious. Uh, it is the most fabulous day here. I arrived yesterday afternoon. We had some light rain during the afternoon and things dried up. But today, uh, you could be in an early or late summer Late summer day, it's 18, probably 19 degrees, sun is shining, uh, it is glorious. Regrettably, there is rain forecast, uh, according to which app you look at, that, that will come in at different times and fall at different quantities. So we are going to get some wet weather. But as things stand now, uh, I would imagine that gloriously uh, glorious race course is drawing out as we speak. Highlight to me, from a journalist's point of view, the best stories going through your mind ahead of ahead of this year's arc there are lots of them there are it's it's an arc that is um i think it's a fascinating arc we haven't got Bayid, we haven't got desert crown we haven't got pile driver we haven't got adiar you can name a, a list of horses that you would love to have in the race but for me, Nick, I think this, and this sounds like a silly thing to say, it looks and feels like a proper arc. Um, it feels like one of those arcs I grew up with in the in the 80s when, when Sunday Grandstand would switch to Peter, Peter O'Sullivan on a crackly line at Longshot and you'd have a big field of, of horses contesting this race and all of them would have some sort of chance. Even the outsiders, you'd say, well, I could make a case for that one. It feels like that sort of arc to me with a huge field, a maximum 20 runner field and very, very few that I would have confidence in wiping out completely. The potential for Japan to win the arc for the first time is probably the biggest story. But there are so many more. If we're looking domestically to, to, to British listeners of this, they will know the reverence uh, with which racing fans uh, look at Sir Mark Prescott, the anecdote teller supreme, a super trainer, yet one who has never won a race of the stature of the, the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. It would be his career-defining moment if he could win it, and he could win it, because Alpinista is a five-time Group 1 winner who does just keep winning races. And she'll be ridden by Luke Morris, and this is what he had to say to me about her chances. Um, I, I wouldn't swap her for anyone. Um, I think she's um, she's got a rock solid profile, and she goes into the race, you know, you know, 
as a filly that's been perf- you know perfectly campaigned for the race she's likely raced two runs this year and say so, yeah, I'm very hopeful um, I, I just wish we hadn't had as much rain as there appears to have been but um, you know we're very hopeful nonetheless I mean the, the orthodoxy until say the middle of this year was that if it rained it would it would suit her it would it would be to her advantage what's changed do you think or do you think we were always mistaken I, I think that last year just just the fact that she went for those races in Germany and they were on slow ground that was just the 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 alpinist you saw but um so Mark and William Butler you know the assistant were always very confident she would be a better filly on a better surface which um you know she's improved this year and I'm sure she's strengthened from four to five which where is where a lot of the improvements came from but um just on a better surface she, she just rides like she has a bit more class but um you know if, if the ground is very deep on Sunday which it looks like it well may, may well be you know you need a horse that can dig in and you know she certainly has plenty of that reserve but to ride a filly in a, a top race she's she's the ideal filly for those those types of races because you can put her where you want if there's going to be a strong and run race you can ride her a little bit colder as we did in song clue and if there doesn't look a huge amount of pace you can just slide her forward so um you know she's perfectly adaptable and um it's great to have a filly for that type of race you've won group one races in in france you've won group one races all over the continent many of them on on her in terms of how this race is going to pan out you must have played it in your mind a few times what happens yeah, I'd uh, I'd ridden the race in my head about a month ago. So um, now that the draws come out, uh, you get a clearer idea on how the race is likely to be run. And like you say, she's versatile. Where you can put her wherever, but you know, from a nice draw in stall six, um, it just gives you options where you can hopefully try and keep it as simple as possible. All right, Luke. Um, just finally, how do you feel? How do you feel inside with two days to go? Um. I'm hugely excited. I'm I'm actually not at all nervous at the moment because I'm just kind of concentrating on each day as it comes, um, each ride as it comes. But uh, just very excited, and um, you know, these are the days you you carve your whole career out for to, to ride horses in these sorts of races. So, um, so I just want to enjoy the enjoy the day, and um, hopefully things work out and. You know, we can see the real Alpinista and she puts the best foot forward. Is this where riding for someone like Sir Mark Prescott um, helps insofar as that he knows he knows where the expectation bar is always? Um, I think so. I think he's he's got a good handle on the race, good handle on the filly. And, you know, he's he's obviously got his his ideas of where, where she'll finish and, and what we do. So, um, like I say, he, he's a great man to ride for. You know, we'll go through the race in a, with a fine-tooth comb and hopefully get the right the right plan together. Right, that's Luke Morris, rider of Alpinista, who cedes favouritism only to Luxembourg, the Irish Champion Stakes winner, Lee. It would also be a super story mm. in the sense that he started this season as Ballydor's big classic hope. I remember speaking to someone connected with the the setup there who were talking about him as the horse that they believe could be their first Triple Crown winner. That obviously didn't happen. He was beaten or be very, uh, very good right in the 2000 Guineas first time out, then missed the derby. But if he wins an arc, it will represent one of the the finest training performances of Aidan O'Brien's career in that he had to really rush him 
to get to the Royal Whip and then the Irish Champions Stake. His head goes a bit high, but he really fought at Leopardstown last time. And that was a win that I think makes him the deserved favourite here because he could improve again for a mile and a half. So I think he is one that you, you'd say would be a, a super story. But there, there are lots of them through the race. Vedeni has entered the arc pitches somewhat unexpectedly. Um, I remember speaking to to Princess Zara, the Aga Khan's daughter, at Sandown after the eclipse, and she was adamant that this was a ten furlong horse. At that point, there was no there was no expectation that this horse would end up in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, but he's in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, and he is a he's a player. We've got jockeys like Rob Hornby, um, who at the start of the year probably wasn't expecting to be riding in an arc, but this has been a strange sort of year. Richard Kingsgate won the Derby. How great would it be if Rob Hornby could win the arc for Ray Beckett, who has been in spectacular form, three winners at Salisbury yesterday. And if we're talking about jockeys, you've got to mention Yutaka Taki, who's been riding in this race, it feels like forever. He is the personification of Japan's long quest to win the arc and he's back again on this Japanese derby winner Doju. So it's it's a it's a race packed full of interesting stories. I think another element to it, Nick, is that although we do have a big field when the draw took place yesterday, almost all the leading contenders got good draws. Taquato Tasso is out in 18-1 to the outer of, of Mishrif, but the vast majority of the leading contenders drew well. So that you had Alpinista in, in six, you had Vedeni in two, you had Westover in seven, you had Luxembourg in eight, title holder in ten. So all those good horses are in the right side of the the right side of the draw, which just adds further interest to a, a race that yeah, you, you said it's my favorite flat race. It, it, it is, it's one of my favorite days of the entire year. And I think this is an arc that although we haven't got those absolute superstars of the season, we could still have a spectacular horse race. So we've talked up the the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe all week. Well, you, you don't need to talk it up. It is is Europe's premier all age horse race, and uh, the French have, have done a terrific job marketing the race before you took into account all the controversy this week. Um, so again, it, it sells itself to to a greater or lesser extent. But how does it sell itself as a television product? How appealing is it as a television product relative to some of the other great races around the world? The man to answer that question, of course is uh, HBA's founder, HBA Media's founder, uh, Henry Bertels, who's in Paris at the moment and uh, marshals the, the distribution television rights for uh, most all major horse racing events around the world. Uh, Henry, how are you enjoying Paris? Paris is sunny and happy, Nick. It's a good place to be, especially on this weekend. It's an unrivaled weekend um, when the racing world descends upon this extraordinarily magnificent city. Tell me about the arc and distributing that to a, to a global audience and what the appetite for the race is around the world. Well, the appetite for the arc is reflected, I think, in the, the increasing appetite for racing, major racing around the world. Um, it's it's performing at the highest level. We are distributing the race to all continents. For the first time we are in Canada, we're in Australia and we're in Africa. So we've got the, we've got the globe covered. What's increasingly important is not just the, the coverage around the globe, around the world. It's who's covering it. And what we now have is a, is a situation where we can stand up and say we're being covered by major networks. Uh, which is something that couldn't be said before. And that doesn't just apply to the arc, it applies to pretty well all the major races that we deal with. 
I mean, the arcs always perform quite well from a from a British TV perspective, going right the way back to the days that the BBC took it, then Channel 4 took it for a while, then the BBC took it for a long time, then Channel 4 took it for another three years, and now ITV have taken it for the for the last few years, but they have just signed an interesting deal. Uh, they have. They've, they've, they've signed a deal for three years. We're on with Fox, we're on with CBC in Canada. Fox are, are certainly investing in pretty well all the major races now. We're in a good position in, the, in, in North America as a whole. Uh, and Henry, what do these broadcasters want from a show that you're selling them? What, what feedback are you getting as regards um, duration, style, content? Well, we put together, um, for most of the major races, what we call the golden hour, because we cannot expect major networks to dedicate um, hours and hours of coverage to horse racing that's going on somewhere else. So what we will do is we'll, we'll cover the history of whatever race we're covering. Um, we will throw in quite a lot of lifestyle uh, and and hopefully incorporate all the aspects that racing can boast about you know racing isn't yeah the, the main event is the main event we never never lose sight of that it's the horses the heroes the rest of it but actually what we have to get into these shows is a little bit of color a little bit of context for where we are uh, the history around the race um, what it means to the people of the country that it's running an, an all-encompassing offering to, to the audiences. It's it's not just about the race, although the race is at the forefront. All right, back with Lee Mottishead, senior writer from the Racing Post. Just listening to Henry Bertels there. Uh, just one thing that piqued my interest, Lee, is that the ITV deal to cover the art, which is a multi-year deal and it's not normally, uh, extends beyond the duration of their existing domestic contract, which uh, throws up an interesting question, I, I guess. I'm no, no, no one thinks they're going anywhere at the moment, that's for sure. No, no, it, it, it does throw up an interesting question it, because, as you say, the, the, the deal would extend beyond the point at which ITV is at the moment contracted to televise British horse racing. That will come at the end of next year from 2024. There is no contract in place for British horse racing. But as you say, everybody believes that ITV will be continuing with the sport. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not aware of any other significant players having entered the market. British Racing has developed a great relationship with ITV. The number of days that ITV is doing grows ever larger. It's working commercially for ITV. It's doing well for British Racing. And I think this does tell us that if ITV is signing a contract to show the arc in 2024, which it has done here, it is long, long, long odds on that ITV will be showing British Racing from 2024 as well, which is good news for everybody. It is. I mean, where where that leaves the, uh, the, the tension in the competitive bidding process, I'm not quite sure. Whether, whether it makes it uh whether it makes it, it feasible for British racing to ask for more or ITV to ask to pay less I I don't really know to be honest I can't quite get my head around that one no um I think it basically just underlines that we've got to the point whereby ITV has probably put forward its number the race courses I imagine have agreed to that number it's just now a case of dotting I's and and crossing T's. Um, there have been issues within within race courses this year that might have slowed things down. Obviously, you've got the 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 economic headwinds that are hitting race courses, but you've also got a case that the the biggest single race course in a part of Friday would would be Ascot, yeah. and they have a new chief executive this year, and that handover from Guy Henderson to Vivian Curry, I imagine has slowed the process down in terms of getting a deal signed. But I would be amazed 
if a deal isn't signed and announced pretty soon. They've also got a new boss, of course, and the King had his first runner yesterday. Educator didn't win, but might have run into a very good horse at Salisbury. Yeah, he might well have done, Nick. This was the Radcliffe & Co. handicap. It was the, the first horse that has raced in the name of the King, Charles III. Not surprisingly, he wasn't at, at Salisbury yesterday, but Jeremy Martin, who runs Salisbury, said that he reckoned maybe about 500 people have been added to the gate as a result of this, this historical uh, historical moment with King Charles having his first runner as the King. Educator was beaten and actually beaten a long way by a horse trained by Harry and Roger Charlton. Oki Choby was ridden by Ryan Moore, um, won the race really well. That was only his third start. Uh, we uh, forced that rather. It was a, a really striking performance. It was a performance of a horse who is certainly going to be a stakes performer. He'll be rated, I think, in the probably early hundreds now. He's just on a time test. He's worth a few quid. I'm sure that having lost one good horse uh, from uh, their ranks, from the Jumont ranks this year uh, to, uh, to Hong Kong, that the Charlton are hoping that this one doesn't go the same way. When is a medication positive not either A, weird, or B, complicated in global horse racing? Answer, never, it seems. And more grist to that mill, courtesy of a horse called Coltrane, who you'll know now is a very good stayer and one of the likely favourites for the Kipco British Champion Stayers race, Lee. But a couple of years ago, um, he failed a, a dope test, and it's only come to light recently. Yeah, pretty remarkable. This. So the, the date of the race, Nick, was August the 8th, 2020. Uh, Coltrane won that race at Newmarket. It was a handicap. Um, but post-race urine testing uh, showed traces for uh, morphine and codeine. Um, the, the, the outcome of the official deliberations into that testing uh, was finally uh, culminated yesterday. Um, the horse was disqualified. Um, we heard at an appeals hearing that um, the BHA's testing partner, LGC, had initially felt that poppy seeds had been the most likely source for those uh, banned substances. But further testing in June of this year, June 2022, highlighted in commas a high chance that ingestion of a botanical substance was the source. As a result of that, Andrew Balding, Coltrane's trainer, received no punishment. Um, the panel chair yesterday, Brian Barker, expressed his disappointment that we were two years on from the race. Uh, and a spokesperson for the BHA said the regulator had worked hard to investigate thoroughly the source of the prohibited substances and went on to say, as has been stated previously by the BHA, delays such as those in bringing this case to a close are regrettable and we are grateful for the cooperation of Mr Balding in reaching this conclusion. The, the BHA went on to say that there has been a delay in cases, a backlog in cases, as a result of COVID, but I think that is an argument that a bit like uh, our Prime Minister with uh, the Putin, Vladimir Putin invasion of Ukraine is one that you can only keep referring to so many times. That backlog is going to have to be completely cleared soon. Well, it's been a wonderful season for American-based owner Andrew Rosen, who in partnership with several others has enjoyed great success, not just in his, his own country, but most notably in, in the UK, uh, chiefly courtesy of Prosperous Voyage and Lazoo and, and others. Andrew joins me now. 
Andrew, good morning. Thanks so much for talking to me. Uh, how much have you enjoyed the success that you've had in in the UK this year? Uh, it's been amazing. You know, I've been racing in uh, the UK close to 20 years. And, um, you know, I've won some nice races, but never had the success that I've had this year. I mean, to think about winning the Falmouth and winning the Sheafley Park, I mean, that's that's something I always dreamed of. But never thought was possible running second in the guineas just been a a fantastic experience so tell me about how this particular phase of of ownership came about for you and and how you got involved in these horses baby mccalmott has been a a, a close friend and associate of mine for many years and you know we had the opportunity to to buy prosperous voyage uh, last year and he has another client Mark Chan that's sort of become somewhat of a folk hero over here in England with the success he's had and and uh, so we bought bought that horse and and then uh, Jamie and Mark and I went to uh, to Arcana at the two-year-old sales the first time I ever been there been there and uh, we end up buying Lazoo so um, you know I guess with Jamie's uh, uh, great knowledge and experience and Mark Chan's luck. I've I've just been a, a lucky passenger here. Uh, and this is this is quite a U.S. model now. A, a big racing concerns coming together, clubbing together, enjoying themselves together, but also having a, a greater le- level of spending power. Do you see that becoming more of a thing in Europe? Do you think see that U.S. template mapping onto onto European and particularly British ownership? You know, I, I, it's something that's just happened recently in America. Um, I think it's been really good for American, uh, uh, the, the American bloodstock industry. I think it's been good for the sales. It creates a lot of excitement at the racetrack when you have a group of owners. And, um, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to, to develop a few good friendships in um, the racing industry and, and, and have partnered uh, uh, with, with, with a few of my friends that way. And it gives you an opportunity to... Uh, you know, to reduce the risk a little bit, but it also gives you an opportunity to have a great enjoyment um, if you have some success and the horses start winning races. Um, you know, you can do it together. And and I know you've had a great year, so it's an it's British racing is an easy sell right now for for you. Um, but I'm interested from your perspective why you enjoy the racing in in Britain per se. Why why you'd be attracted by it when there's so much great stuff here and you know how much i love american racing i mean listen you have to understand um i grew up in in the horse racing business my father had the champion philly in 1974 in, in america um you know it was always part of our life it was part of my experience with my dad and um you know it, it it's just something I, I racing is something that i've always done and i i enjoy i enjoy the racing i enjoyed the breeding I enjoy the, the trading of horses and um, to have the opportunity to do that, not only in America, but to do that in the UK is and, and Europe is, is just a great thrill for me. And um, I also feel that it gives me exposure and diversity um, to different front lines, different style of racing. And, you know, gives, gives me a lot of versatility in my racing operation, which ultimately I think in the long run is going to be to my my advantage, and and it helps when you find a trainer in superb form as 
Rafe Beckett has been virtually all season. Uh, he said rather self-deprecatingly at Newmarket last week in an interview with me that Mark Chan was the was the lucky charm and that you'd said that. I'd, I'd suggest that the, the trainer's not doing too badly either. I mean, I've, I've been having horses with Rafe Beckett the last five or six years. Um, you know, he's just really stepped up his game. Um, he's moved to a whole nother level. He's a, a great trainer and, and, and just a great guy uh, to be involved with. I mean, I have a lot of confidence when he sends a horse out there. You know he's ready. He's a hardworking, committed, dedicated uh, guy. And, uh, you know, it's just, just great to be involved with someone like that. And, of course, there could be a, another Group 1 coming your way with, with Prosperous Voyage in the Bahrain Sun Chariot Stakes. Uh, it, all, the, all the portents seem to be good. How, how excited are you by, by her run tomorrow? You know, it's, it's a tough race tomorrow. There's a lot of good fillies in there. And uh, I think Prosperous Voyage is in good form. She likes new market. Um, you know, the... The, the the dream the dream of having her win is there, but I think it's a tough spot. I just hope she runs well and you know finishes in the top three. Really, well, um, I'm sure she's got a great chance of doing that. Uh, are you off to Paris on Sunday as well? Um, we're, you know, Rafe has got uh, uh, you know Westover in the Ark and want to support going over with them to support that and and mark chan has kinross um in the in the in the seven furlong race there and um so we're all going over and uh you know have a great day of racing uh you know whether we whether we win or lose owner andrew rosen there who also has grade one horses to look forward to the next two weekends in the united states enjoying himself both sides of the atlantic also at Newmarket tomorrow, not just the Grade 1. Also at Newmarket tomorrow, it's not just the Group 1 Sun Chariot Stakes. It's also the running of the £150,000 Tattersall's October Auction Stakes. Now, this is for horses who were bought at Books 3 and 4 of the Tattersall's Yearling Sale or the Somerville Yearling Sale. Trainer Ed Walker has the favourite Amici, who's already scooped the £100,000 Somerville Auction Stakes. Already a rich man, and uh, the second favourite, Union Court, a filly who's been busy this season but with some excellent form under her belt. Amici cost a snip fifteen and a half thousand guineas at the Somerville. Union Court eighteen thousand at Book Three, and the two October Book Three grads not running here are one of the fillies you've just been hearing about, Lazou, who initially went to to Book Three at seventy-seven grand. I think she'd take a fair bit of beating in this, and so would Crypto Force. They've uh, well exceeded expectations, um, so. They are uh, the the star graduates of that sale, but Amici could yet turn into one of those. Ed Walker joins me now, the trainer of Amici in Union Court. Ed, in its own way, particularly with with what's around the corner, how important is is tomorrow's race for you and for your owners? Uh, very important, really. Um, on sort of you know, almost on the eve of of um, the Tattersall, the major Tattersalls yielding sales, um, you know. Filling owners' pockets is, is is a big deal. It's an important time of year to be doing it, and yeah, it's great when you you know have opportunities with relatively inexpensive horses to to compete for this kind of prize money. So yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, let's talk about Amici first. You, you paid fifteen and a half thousand for this for this gelding by Gutterfan from the Somerville Yearling Sale. Um, 
and he's already won a, a big pot at, at Newmarket. He got he got plenty of publicity himself that day. We gelded him, and he came back, and he 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 was a different horse very quickly. He's a he's a strong horse. He's not the biggest, but he's grown a lot. And and he, he was I mean, he was very small as a yearling, um, which is one of the reasons why he was probably relatively cheap. So yeah, he was he was he was pretty much unwanted at the sales. Um, but he's from a family I know well. Um, came from the dark who also runs at the weekend and that's really what attracted me to him um that combined with the his sort of strength and the way he moves but he was small anyway he's grown and grown and grown and, and um yeah i think he he's really made into a nice horse and um it's gonna be interesting to see how he gets on yeah and the form couldn't have worked out any better the third horse eddie's boy has gone and bolted up in a, a group three shot team we heard from the owner tom palin thinks he's worth four times as much now so it, the, the portents are good do you think your horse could actually be a stakes horse in 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 disguise i think he could be i i i really do he's 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 incredibly laid back and to achieve what he achieved at the july course on his third third start but his his second his second start concentrating if you like um was was very impressive I and Archie's horse as you say has gone and, and, and franked the form now Union Court has finished four and a half lengths behind Eddie's boy herself in the in the Weatherby's super sprint and this filly by Havana Gray has been much busier during the course of the season do you think we know exactly how good she is now even though she's quite a short price for, for tomorrow's race I think we probably do it's going to be interesting stepping up in trip and I think the rain this afternoon, this evening, I've got no idea whether that will play to her strengths. I think Amici will, be, will, will not be bothered by any, any rain that falls, um, whereas Union Court, I just don't know with her. Um, but she's, I mean, she owes us nothing. She's been an absolute star. She's got black type. She's um, earned uh, over 60000 in prize money, including the um, great British bonuses, because she's... Um, you know, a British bred of Whispery Manners. And, uh, yeah, she's just been, she's been a legend really this year. Incredibly tough. I think I think probably where Havana Gray has been so successful as the first season sires is, is all, they seem to have the attributes that she has, and that is they, they, they eat, they sleep, and they work. And, and, and that's what she does, and she's never left a note. And obviously, a very competitive sales season so far. We saw Americans last week taking advantage of exchange rates. We saw prices high, as we did in, in France. Tattersall's book one and two, I'm sure, are going to be hugely deep and hugely strong. How confident are you that you'll be able to, to fill orders over the next week or 10 days? You either have to um, you have to follow the market and spend more money, or or buy a lesser type of horse or a horse you like less, which is not an easy decision to make. Um, I personally would always rather sp- spend a bit more on a horse that I really really want to train. But there's always value. You know, you, you work hard enough, you shop around, you 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 know you have to you have to you can't tick every single box when you're buying horses at my level. You have to either forgive a slightly unfashionable stallion or a slightly exposed mare or a less than perfect confirmation or you have to you have to you know make um you, you have to forgive faults to, to a degree otherwise you, you just can't compete and and um there, there will be value but it's um you just got to work for it 
Ed Walker hoping for more sales race success at Newmarket tomorrow. As I have told you, I'm here at Aqueduct, my first visit to the Big A, the host of the Breeders' Cup in 1985, the scene of that memorable victory from Pebbles. The reason that Aqueduct is being used for big races at the moment, when it wouldn't normally be at this time of the year, is that there's some renovations taking place down the road at Belmont Park. And that means that Naira, the New York Racing Association, have moved the the big races to, to here. And there's a, a terrific race tomorrow, the Woodward Stakes. It features Life is Good. It should be plain sailing for him en route to taking on Flightline in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Now, earlier in the week on my weekly Breeders' Cup show, Cocktails and Conversation, that I co-host with Brittany Erton and mixologist Mark Tubridy. We were fortunate enough to welcome Elliot Walden, the president of Windstar, the owners of Life is Good, who shared a few thoughts not only about this horse, but why it was imperative to run and take on Flightline in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I think they're both generational type horses. I know my experience and and our team at Windstar, David Hanley's been around a lot of good horses. Life is good is is up there with Justify. Mm-hmm. Um, I would throw Victory Gallop in the mix as well. The horses that I've been around, um, they just breathe different air. I know Bob had mentioned before he ran he ran him the first time. He he put him in the same category as Justify and American mm-hmm. Pharaoh. So they're both that kind of special horse that are, uh, you know, generational type horses. Uh, Flightline is that kind of horse as well. Um, you know, he is a machine. And, you know, when a horse gives you chills to watch him run, it, it is pretty special. And it's it's a great thing. Um, they've had John's a tremendous trainer, done a super job with him. And, um, you know, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I, you mentioned horses that make uh, that give you chills. I remember when Life is Good debuted, and it yeah. was that type of performance. And he's followed that up with equally impressive. Uh, well, I would say more impressive performances. You know, in each and every in each and every start. And so, um, how lucky are we to be fans of horse racing right now with horses like Life is Good, Flightline, and of course, overseas Baid. It feels like a special time, Elliot. Oh, it is. And I mean, the thing about life is good and, and Flightline, quite honestly. Um, Flightline could be in, in any one of three races on Breeders' Cup Day. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing's true of Flightline. I mean, he could probably win the sprint. We know he very, very, you know, would most likely win the mile. Mm-hmm. And and yet the classic is, is, is also uh, right there as well. So uh, just phenomenal athletes. Um, you know, horses that have speed that can carry speed, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tremendous. I know Todd, Todd, uh, has said to me more than once, he wants another shot at Jackie's warrior somewhere down the line, but we're just not going to get it. But I think that, uh, you know, that race to Todd sticks out as a, as a race that got away and, and, mm-hmm. and was, was unfortunate for life is good to get beat. But Jackie ran a great race, and Jackie, I'm not, yeah. I'm not diminishing Jackie in any way because he's a tremendous horse as well. Mm-hmm. The the funny thing for me about that the race you're talking about, Elliot, is that even though Life Is Good was defeated, it almost cemented his reputation in my mind as a as a horse that was out of the ordinary because uh, he'd be he was coming off the off the absence, he was running at a distance which nobody thought he would excel over, and you're thinking, hang on. He can, he's going to win this. He and he was in front of Jackie's warrior. Right. He was a tremendous sprinter. And he was in front of him going down the backside. And mm-hmm. you're thinking if, if this horse can get a bit further, he's he's an absolute freak. 
Mm-hmm. And, th- and then the notion that if he goes into any race off the back of a, an important victory, the notion that he would go into that race and not be favourite mm-hmm. is kind of extraordinary. I mean, you must you must kind of think that. Yeah. And what do you like? Which race are you referencing with him? Well, I mean, so, so say you go, say you everything goes well this weekend, you go to the Breeders' sure. Classic. Okay, gotcha. White Line's going to be the favorite, heavy favorite. That's right. Yeah, it puts yeah. puts it in perspective, doesn't it? It does, and, and you know, I mean, in in a lot of ways, um, I I'm not saying life is good is forgotten, but there's there's so much talk about Flight Line, and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it's well deserved. But life is good is one of those horses that is that is in that same category. I'm not saying he's better than Flightline. We'll find that out on the on the racetrack. And and obviously a mile and a quarter is um, right at what we feel like is life is good stretch distance. And and you know I think that um, you know it, would it be a phenomenal race? I, I tried to talk the Breeders' Cup into putting up twenty million dollars and let's run seven and a half furlongs and let's have. <laughs> Flightline, Jack Christopher, Life is Good, Jackie's Warrior. Yeah. What kind of race would that be? Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know what uh, their response was to that. Barbara Banky said no. <laughs> but just, you're, you're planting yeah. the seed again on tonight's program, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> but wait, did we just take away from that, Elliot, that the plan is to run in the Classic because you said it would be figured out on the track? between life is good and flight line. Yeah, well I don't yeah, I don't I don't think that's been a surprise. We're we're as long as he runs good Saturday, wins and comes out of it well, obviously we got to take care of the horse first. Um but uh yeah, we're 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 not going to duck anybody. Um and uh you know, we feel like the the race in Dubai was uh, a quagmire of a racetrack um that was 3 or 4 seconds off par. Um, you know, the breeders or the, the sprint over there, very fast horses went 111 and change. The Godolphin mile went 37, maybe 38. I'm not sure. I can't remember the mile. I know the sprint went 11 and change. That track was off three or four seconds, especially the mile and a quarter. So they went 205, Hot Rod Charlie, Country Grammar. I mean, they don't go 205, you know, mm-hmm. they go 202. I think so. You know, I think it'll be interesting on a faster racetrack. That's all. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose also, Elliot. Even though you are commercially minded, you're you're operating stallions, you're operating race racehorses at a very high end, and you always have to have maintaining their value uppermost in your mind. Uh, w- what part of your mind is thinking as a sportsman? I cannot disrespect a horse like Life Is Good and duck any horse. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. We're sportsmen. Kenny, Mr. Trout's a sportsman. His family are sportsmen, and flight line's going to be a very tall task. Uh, but uh, we're not going to put him in the mile because there's a tough horse in the race, especially mm-hmm. when we got a great horse. So we're excited. We're excited. Horse racing fans should be excited. They should applaud the the mm-hmm. the. You know, the fact that, as Brittany, you said earlier, that there's a lot of horses that want to take it on. I mean, you see that with the Triple Crown. When there's a Belmont and there's a Triple Crown on the line, a lot of times there's 10 or 12 horses in there because people want to compete. They want to be a sportsman. They want to try to see, you know, be there as part of history. And uh, and so it's going to be uh, just a phenomenal Breeders' Cup through and through. 
um, you know, the horses coming from Europe, the the sprint horses we have like Jackie's Warrior, the Milers, the Dirt Mile is going to be a fascinating race. I mean, it's a it's just tremendous. The, that's what's so exciting about the Breeders' Cup. Elliot Walden, uh, president of Windstar Farms, the owners of Life is Good, who is the star attraction on a superb multiple grade one card at Aqueduct. You'll be able to catch that on NBC, the main NBC channel, 4 till 6 Eastern tomorrow, Saturday. And Cocktails and Conversation runs every week when there's Breeders' Cup winning your in Challenge Series races. So Brittany, Mark and I will be back next Wednesday. That takes place 5 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock uh, British summertime across all Breeders' Cup social media platforms. Okay, thanks to all my guests today. Uh, Lee Mottershead still with me. And Lee, you can give us a smattering of your best for ARC weekend. Oh, you are lovely. Thank you. Well, um, Saturday for me is all about very elegant Nick. Sadly, she's not in the ARC. She runs I, in... I really want her to win. Now, there's some people who really don't. I really want her to bolt up. I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want her to win, Nick. It seems to me a pretty a pretty shoddy way to uh, approach a, a super horse because whatever you might think of what's gone on the last few days, she's a fantastic horse. How amazing is it to find an Australian winner of the Melbourne Cup competing in Europe the following year? You know, she the easiest thing for connections would have been to have a running in the in the in the cup again this year but they've they've done this they brought it to europe i think it's probably it was probably too late for her in terms of producing her very best form but i thought she ran a promising race in the foire last time and i think she certainly could win and should win the, the prix de Wallier, um on saturday the um but i'd love to see her win great to see mark zara across too um who who rode her to win the the caulfield cup um so i think for me very elegant is the is the star of the, the Saturday show, albeit we've got a deep pre cadre in which Kiprios, the star stayer of this year for Ballydol, uh, takes on rivals like Princess Zoe and Quickthorn, and my goodness was so good in the Lonsdale Cup. That pre cadre which is often one of the weakest group ones in the entire calendar, I think this year looks like a fascinating race. I'm really looking forward to that one. But then, of course, old roads lead, Nick, to Sunday to the world's greatest turf flat race, the pre tree of, and it is the world's greatest turf flat race. Um, I think it's a race full of interest, as we said before, Nick. If you'll allow me to give you three horses that I've that, that I've um, you've got to be quick title holder, uh, Alpinista. But my, my tip for the pod is Dojuice, um, the Japanese derby winner. Um, I thought ran a race full of promise in the near last time. The way he traveled into the race suggested to me. Uh, he is a very, very high-class horse. I think he needed that run. And about 33 to 1 each way for me, Dojuice and Yatakitaki. What a story that would wow. be. Wow. Right, Lee. Well, have a, have a li- little listen to this. I might just have saved the best of last because I knew you fancied this horse. Christophe Lemaire does not ride Dojuice. He rides Stay Foolish. He's a big, big outsider, the, the strong stayer from Japan. But because he's been based in Japan and had so much success there and has got a, an inside-out knowledge of all these horses, I thought he would be best placed to tell us which of the um, which of the Japanese he, he really likes. And in a couple of minutes, you, you're you going to find out and you're not going to be disappointed. Uh, for me, uh, riding is the arc, in the arc is very special uh, because, as you said, uh, as a Frenchman, uh, this is uh, my dream to win this race. 
and especially uh, if I could win with a Japanese horse, it, it would be uh, extraordinary for me because of my uh, love story with Japan and the fact that uh, I live in Japan for the last eight years. And uh, knowing that uh, the, the Japanese horsemen, uh, they, they really fancy this race and they really want to, to win this race. So uh, it's always a special occasion uh, for me to ride the arc. Uh, it's going to be a very open race, you know, uh, in terms of uh, quality of the horses. So I think every horses will have, uh, will have his chance. Uh, it's going to be a big field. Uh, the positions uh, will be very important. Uh, the, um, uh, the, the, the ground will be uh, soft to very soft. So the horses will need some ability on this uh, kind of ground. So it's uh, a bit uh, a negative point for the Japanese horses. But uh, um, uh, these horses are, are tough, especially title holders, stay foolish and uh, deep bound. Uh, they are tough, so um, they, I think they can handle uh, this track. Uh, and Deodius, Deodius is the, um, the, the main horse uh, in the middle of the Japanese horses. He's a derby winner uh, in his country. Uh, very good pedigree and uh, very talented horse. And so, so, of the four, which do you fancy the most? Uh, I like very much uh, Dodius uh, because, as I, as I said, he's a Derby winner. So uh, he, he was very um, good when he won uh, that race. Um, the the connection have some experience uh, in the arc because they uh, they ran this race with uh, Makahiki a few years ago and uh, yes it is a very nice three-year-old 29 years on from White Muzzle and the debacle Taki for glorious redemption on Do Juice for Lee have a great weekend wherever you are thanks so much for listening that was Friday September the 30th bye-bye You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.